DJ, PK, and Michael Lev joining us. He covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star in Tucson. Michael, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing well. So we are uh, curious. We like to do the spring football tour across the schedules for the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies here. And we are curious. Arizona football has been down. Do you feel a bounce back coming, or is there more of the same on the way? Gosh, it's so hard to say. Um, I think that it would have been nice to have a full spring practice. That's for sure. Um, Because, you know, Arizona is one of many teams across Pac-12 that brought in um, some new coaches, specifically a new defensive coordinator. So, you know, you have a new scheme. Um, You've got an entirely new staff on that side of the ball. It would have been really helpful for them to, you know, get all 15 spring practices in. I mean, I don't know if people fully understand the value of those things. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah, alarm's going off here. Mm-hmm. The value of spring practice when you have new coaches, you know, just everyone getting to know each other, getting to know that new scheme, um, becoming familiar with it, you know, establishing um, sort of the, the, that base, heading into training camp. They got four practices in before everything got shut down. And I think that's really put kind of a, a question mark um, over, you know, the entirety um, of, you know, of what, the, of what this team can be. Because um, the biggest problem Arizona's had really um, for several years is on that side of the ball. You know, the defense has been bottom three um, in the league, um, despite different coordinators, different schemes, different personnel. Uh, they brought in Paul Rhodes, um, former head coach at Iowa State. Everyone you know, loves him as far as the initial impression goes, but it doesn't go any further than that because they only got those four practices in. So it's really hard to say. Yeah, I thought that was uh, something that obviously they need to address offense or defensively, I should say. And Rhodes brings a ton of experience when uh, you look at the defense. Uh, if no, no matter who they brought in, uh, you could argue that, well, they can't get any lower. But I think the defense can be, I don't know if they could be substantially better, but I think they can definitely be better, uh, particularly with the linebackers, because they look like they're going to be strong there. Well, I think if you look at the defense overall, you could make a case that, hey, you know, they could put out a pretty decent first unit. They have a lot of experience, um, especially, as you mentioned, um, with the linebackers. Um, Colin Senior, Tony Field, uh, Colin Schooler, Tony Field, Anthony Pandy, all heading into their senior seasons. Um, Colin Schooler and Tony Field have played every game um, since they've been here. Um, so tons of experience at that spot. Um, but overall, defensively, not a lot of depth. Um, and it's, it's a huge concern. Um, it's something that they tried to address in recruiting, but it's really hard to rely um, on freshmen, especially um, when the freshmen you're bringing in are all kind of in that three-star category or below. I mean, they brought in you know, a lot of players with impressive-looking frames, uh, who might have good long-term upside, but you know, to be able to rely on those guys to have an impact that first year, it's kind of a long shot. Um, so I think there's the makings of a decent defensive first unit, 
I think there's potential for improvement in year one, but it's going to be really hard. I'm um, going back to what I said earlier about Paul Rhodes, like the first, you know, kind of tenet of his program um, was he wanted to improve the tackling. It was kind of the first thing he mentioned when we met him in December. Is the first thing he mentioned um, when we talked to him in early March. Think of how hard it's going to be to, you know, implement an improved tackling program when you don't have the ability to practice, you know, or maybe the practice time is curtailed um, because there's some sort of condensed schedule implemented, um, you know, as we all figure out, you know, kind of like what, what, the, what the fall is going to look like here. So I think it's going to be extremely challenging, um, you know, no matter how good Paul Rhodes' resume is no matter how much experience they have at the linebacking core and, and other spots throughout the defense. Obviously, Khalil Tate had a real roller coaster there. Great debut for Arizona. Had injuries, coaching changed, the production wasn't as good. But the Khalil Tate Arizona story is written. Grant Gannell got to play as a freshman, looked pretty good, um, did some nice things. So is he is he the guy? Is there anybody else behind him, or is is it definitely Grant's job now as a sophomore? Yeah, I mean, I think he's in that position of it's his job to lose. Um, you know, they they well, and one of the sort of giveaways in that regard is is they um, they decide which players are made available for interviews. And and in the in the few days that we did get um, with the team in early March, he was one of the guys um, that they put out there. Um, they've kind of promoted him on social media. Um, he was a huge recruit out of Texas, you know, set the state record uh, for passing yards um, in the history of Texas high school football, which, I mean, as you guys know, is, you know, what, you know, maybe the best state there is for high school football. Um, and, and it's a state where they want to make uh, a lot of inroads in recruiting. So there are a lot of reasons um, for them to, to place Grant Gannell in that position He's one of those guys who doesn't have like tremendous, you know, physical attributes. He's not going to wow you, you know, um, with his his quote unquote arm talent. But he's got really good size. He's legit six foot six. He's really smart um, and studious. You know, one of those you know gym rat type of guys. Um, he's you know really taken a leadership role already um, as a sophomore as far as organizing team activities when they could do that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I think he's, he's poised to put up really good numbers um, this year. And, and the fact that he did get to play last year, I think is extremely uh, beneficial. Um, I think he got into, I think I want to say it's eight games, which um, mm-hmm. is, 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 was really a surprising development as it was happening. But, um, you know, once you sort of dug a little deeper into, into how things were going, um, at the quarterback position, it made a lot more sense. He had a really good uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio. Um, he protects the ball um, extremely well, which is something that you know Khalil Tate struggled with a uh, big time uh, toward the end of his tenure here. And when you have a defense like we mentioned at the beginning, um, you know that's been struggling for a long time. You know one of the ways that you can help that unit out is by keeping the ball, protecting the ball. Um, doing those sorts of things on offense, you can play, um, you know, what Coach Sumlin would refer to as complementary football. I don't want to go too crazy here, but if I compare freshman 
season to freshman season, I see a little bit of Justin Herbert in this kid. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, I've I've heard <laughs> I've heard that comp, um, and I think it was Brandon Schooler um, who might have made it. Uh, Brandon Schooler is Colin Schooler's brother, uh, grad transfer here from Oregon. So, you know, if anyone would know, no, it would be him. Um, I think that uh, Justin Herbert is a little more physically gifted. Um, he's got a little bit better mobility, although Grant Gannell's mobility, I think, is better than people think. Um, I think he's got a stronger arm. Um, but to me, maybe the common trait between them is they both, they're both really you know, good demeanors about them. They're calm. Um, they're quiet, yet they're good leaders at the same time. Um, and, I mean, a big part of playing that position is, you know, the poise that you have under pressure. And Grant Gannell was thrown into some really sticky situations last year, like, playing you know, the second half on the road at USC um, with a huge deficit and taking a lot of hits, bouncing back up from those and, and you know, still delivering the football um, down the field. I think that was a really um, encouraging sign. He's worked really hard um, you know, to improve you know, those physical aspects of his game. Um, but to me, the mental part is bigger. You know, um, it's... Khalil Tate, who, who you guys brought up, has all the physical gifts in the world, um, but never really developed into a true, you know, capital Q quarterback um, during his time here. Um, I think Grant Gannell can do that um, through, you know, through his intangibles, through his work ethic, you know, through his, his, uh, his poise out on the football field. Michael Lev joining us. He covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star in Tucson. Uh, much as we've seen a quarterback, do you think it's going to be kind of the smooth handoff at running back, J.J. Taylor, uh, all done? And Tate was the second leading rusher, actually. But Gary Brightwell's played quite a bit, averaged almost six yards a carry. Is it him? Is it somebody else? I think that it's their deepest position. Um, I think that Gary Brightwell's, you know, kind of the leader in the clubhouse as far as, um, you know, being the main guy. But even with J.J. Taylor here last year, um, they rotated quite a bit at uh, that position, and I think they will continue to do so. Um, like I said, a lot of depth there. Um, they really like a lot of the younger guys. Michael Wiley is sort of a, a hybrid-type player, someone who can – who can uh, line up in the slot and catch the ball out of the backfield. Nathan Tilford, um, who will be, I think, a junior this upcoming season, uh, maybe a redshirt junior. Um, he uh, is a little bit bigger, taller back, who's impressed every time he's gotten a chance um, to touch the ball. Bam Smith is another guy who um, is really adept at catching the ball out of the backfield. Gary Brightwell, um, you know, legit 4-3 type speed um, if he breaks out um, um, into the clear. And they're also bringing in a couple of freshmen, too, um, who play that position. One of them um, is from the state of Oregon, Jalen John, who on film reminds me a lot of Tilford, kind of a a bigger, more physical back. And then this kid named Frank Brown, Jr., from the Houston area, who's probably the fastest uh, of the bunch. Um, Legit breakaway speed. Another guy who can line up in the slot and catch balls out of the backfield, which is 
which is something that um, Noel Mazzoni really likes in his system. Um, you know, I think with, with Grant Canella at quarterback that you're going to see a different style of offense, you know, a lot less of the zone read type of plays. Um, I think, you know, more passing of the football. And I think those running backs are going to be uh, deeply involved um, in the passing game. The one start, um, the first start that Grant Gannell made, the game that he played from beginning to end against UCLA, I want to say he had 44 passing attempts in that game. Um, I think that's the type of offense um, you're going to see. The player that Noel compared Grant to was Brock Osweiler. And if you remember, um, you know, those ASU teams from back in the day, there's a lot of a lot of A passing the football to B, you know, a lot of short, quick passes. And and I think that running back core is going to be very involved in that. So someone's going into what, his third year, if I'm correct here. Uh it's yeah. been underwhelming as far as that goes. And you know, we hear Kyle Whittingham, he just preaches it on and on and on about how you need to recruit and good players make good coaches and all that stuff. Uh, so how is the recruiting going for someone? I think it's been okay. Uh, I think on the surface that people are probably disappointed with the overall results because, you know, the kind of the idea of bringing him in here was, you know, you're, you're going to get significantly better recruiting than what you had with the previous regime. I think if you can point to one, you know, downfall for Rich Rodriguez, who, you know, he had five winning seasons out of six years here, that he didn't recruit uh, to the level that he needed to to sustain success, you know, over the long haul. Um, they produced you know, barely any uh, NFL draft picks um, during his time here. You know, averages you know maybe one a year, and, and that player usually was picked in the fifth round or later. Um, someone came in with a reputation as one of the best recruiters in the nation. Um, it's been tough, though. Uh, it's a, he's he's discovered that it's a lot harder to recruit to Arizona uh, than it is to recruit to Texas A&M. Um, you know, they haven't brought in you know many players who are higher uh, than three stars, but um, they have done a, a good job of finding some hidden gems. You know, uh, for example, um, Keon Bars, a defensive tackle from uh, Southern California who many people thought was going to be uh, a non-qualifier, um, you know, through the connections that the coaching staff had. Um, they discovered him. They brought him in. He looks like someone who's going to step in and start um, this season. Uh, Christian Roland Wallace, uh, they, they won a recruiting battle for him with USC. He looks like he's going to be, you know, a staple in the secondary uh, for years to come. Uh, offensive tackle Jordan Morgan is another guy that USC was interested in. Um, he's from a town called Marana that's uh, right nearby here in Tucson. He looks like, um, you know, he's the type of athlete um, who eventually could develop into an NFL player um, along the offensive line. Um, so there's plenty of examples like that to be found um, in these recruiting classes. The ratings, the rankings uh, are not what people were hoping for, uh, but he's a big believer um, in you know recruitment and development and feels like you know, he's got the types of athletes that he wants in place. Now it's just a matter of the results. And I think, you know, I think he and, and other coaches who are on the quote-unquote hot seat heading into this upcoming season might 
get a break uh, in a way uh, because of the you know the whole coronavirus situation and the impact that it's going to have on the budgets of these um, college programs. Um, I think that uh, schools are going to be much less likely to fire coaches if they have to pay big buyouts, you know, given the financial crunches that they're under. So the honeymoon might get extended a little bit longer uh, for Kevin Selman here, you know, regardless of the results. Um, you know, if they go, if, if there's a, a full season and they go something like two and ten, you know, that's a different conversation. But if they can get back up into that 500 range, sneak into a bowl, um, you know, I think he's going to be okay. So I think in most of the stuff I've read, it's been some order of Utah, USC, and ASU at the top. USC basically number one, and then either ASU or Utah, two, three. And then the bottom three, UCLA is usually fourth, and then Arizona, Colorado, five and six. Do you see Arizona getting out of the bottom half of the Pac-12 South? I don't think it's inconceivable. Um, I, I don't think, I don't envision this team um, winning the division, um, I, I think you know, based on talent alone, uh, USC has to be the favorite. I mean, they've got a ton of guys coming back, a really good quarterback. You know, there's still, of course, questions about the coaching staff, and you know, the fans have. Well, I've never seen a fan base turn on a coach to the degree that USC's fan base has turned on Clay Helton. But you know, they did bring in a new defensive coordinator. Um, and the administration, uh, their vote of confidence in him has to mean something. Um, so on talent, on paper, I think USC definitely um, is the team to beat. Um, Arizona State uh, also brings back uh, a really young, impressive quarterback, but they did lose a lot um, in the meanwhile. And, and record-wise, they've been okay under Herm Edwards. I mean, I think the expectations that people had were so low uh, that's kind of skewed what the actual – you know, results have been Utah's always good um, under Kyle Whittingham, like you mentioned, but, you know, probably loses more to uh, the pros than any program um, in the conference this upcoming year. So, you know, I think expectations are a little lower from them. Can Arizona, you know, crack that top three and knock any of those teams down? Maybe. Um, I, I don't have a ton of faith in their ability to do that. Um, after you know going four and eight this past season, I mean, I, to me the bar is set somewhere around six and six. You know, if they can get if they can get to six and six with the schedule that they have and get into a bowl game, that would represent progress, regardless of where you know they fall in the pecking order um, in the Pac-12 South. Hey, what was the reaction in Tucson to that HBO thing with John Miller? You know, I think that most people around here um, still have faith in Sean Miller. They don't believe that you know he did anything that was nefarious, um, any more so than any other college coach. And you know, and they, and they'll continue to believe that until you know some sort of smoking gun is produced. And even though. You know, they had the tape that they played toward the end um, of that documentary. There was still no direct link between, you know, Sean Miller and this idea that, you know, he ordered or made payments for players to come to Arizona. So I think that, you know, even though the documentary, um, you know, 
implicated Arizona uh, among several schools uh, being involved in this so-called scheme that uh, people are still loyal to Sean. If there's any criticism that the fans have um, towards Sean um, these days, it, it has a lot more to do with the performance uh, of the team on the court uh, than it does you know, anything that came out of that documentary. Um, you know, I, I don't cover basketball uh, for a paper, but I mean, I do follow it um, extremely closely because you know, I like to, to keep up with what's going on and just looking at the social media reactions you know, after they would lose a game that you know people thought that they maybe shouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of criticism of him. Um, and you know, we would get a lot of pushback um, you know, for our writers would if, if we ever sort of criticized Sean, but apparently it's okay for the fans to do so, um, and they, they have done so um, quite a bit. Um, it's sort of like the comparison I would make is to USC football, which I used to cover uh, before I came here. They recruit at such a high level that it would raise the expectations um, for the fan base to, to unrealistic levels. And, and, and when you compare their recruits to the other recruits in the league, you never understand why they wouldn't just win uh, the conference every single year. I think Arizona fans feel the same way about the basketball program here because they're always bringing in these guys who end up being first-round draft picks. The challenge, the hard part about that, though, is there's so much turnover, and it's, it's difficult to you know, sustain success from year to year when you're basically rebuilding the roster. And a lot of people think that, you know, maybe Sean should just change his tactics um, in recruiting and try to build a team a different way. It's hard, though, you know, to turn away um, these five-star recruits when they want to come to your school. So um, that's kind of where things are at with Sean Miller. I think among the fans, um, you know, they're, they're much um, – they're much more concerned about the performance on the court um, than anything that came out in the courts uh, and in that documentary. Just win, baby. Al Davis got it right a long time ago, and he wasn't talking college <laughs> hoops, but he was right anyway. That's right. All right. Well, that's, we right. Pr- that's all anyone that's all anyone cares about around here. Michael, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us for a few minutes. Hey, thank you, guys. Michael Lev covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star in Tucson. Our spring football. Tour, DJ and PK.